Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. I'm Mike Kachopoli. Okay, still, still getting in the groove of saying 2023. It doesn't, it doesn't seem right. It's like, doesn't, it doesn't like flow right. I keep on 2022 to me f- flows more than 2023. Maybe because I said 2022 about 250 times. <laughs> that could be why. But we are certainly well into the first week of 2023. And uh, I, I just say the rest of the year can't be like this. The, yes, the rest of the year cannot have this much action to it. It can't. It can't. We need a little bit of a breather. We need, <laughs> we need a breath. I'm really hoping because we came out of this two week. Christmas and New Year's coma that people just want to get going again, but we just can't take this is just too much. Yes, it's great for me in a selfish way because it gives me things to talk about, right? It gives me a lot to talk about, but it's just I, I think the country needs a breather here at some point. The first few days of this year has just been crazy. It's nuts. I mean, with the weather situations and the and and the uh, and everything happening in the uh, in the house, right? And the Twitter dumps already, two, three already this way. It's crazy. There are so many Twitter dumps, I miss them. Right? People have to tell me that there are more Twitter dumps because I, I missed them. There are so many. It's like one after another, after another, after another. And he's given the work to like five or six journalists. So I don't know. You know, I got to follow everybody. And my damn Twitter feed, I don't know if anyone else has this problem, but it, it, it's not letting me follow other people. It says I'm following too many people and it won't let me follow so i have to go through i have to go through my my followers people i'm following maybe because i'm following a few more people than are following me is that what it is i got six thousand five hundred followers and i'm following seven thousand one hundred people but it's not like i'm following a million people i don't understand maybe i gotta i gotta talk to elon elon are you out there hello i want to be able to follow more people especially lately and i can't follow any so i can't follow many of these people so I have to go to their feeds and see what's going on. I don't understand this. Elon needs to drop that nonsense. Why can't we follow as many people as we want? What does that What does that have to do with anything? I mean, yes, if I want my feed to be filled with stuff, that's my business. I don't get it. I think these are still algor- algorithms from the past that Musk hasn't fixed yet. But I don't understand why I can't follow more people. And... I'll, I'll like get rid of five people and still won't let me follow people. All right. So it's annoying. It's, it's cumbersome to go through my, my, my list of people I'm following and delete 30, 40, 50 people just to be able to follow a couple of more people. It's a pain in the ass. So anyway, it makes things a little bit tougher, but yes, things are, things are rocking and shocking, rocking and shocking. They really are. You know, I've, I'm thinking more about this house thing. I really am. I'm thinking more about it. Now, I don't want it to drag on forever. That's not good. You don't want it to drag on forever. But I'm really, (laughs) the Democrats really make me laugh. The Democrats and the legacy media, they always make me laugh. Sometimes they make me incredibly angry, as you know. But this is the democratic process in action. And, you know, I tweeted something last night because I have these random thoughts at three in the morning because I have no life. And I, I said, you know, at least Republicans have some independent thinkers, right? At least they have some rogue thinkers. They don't all march in lockstep the way Democrats do as of late. As of late, I want to make this clear. There was a time back when I was a Democrat when it wasn't this way, 
when you had these. And in fact, that was a big criticism of many Democrats back in the day when they weren't just these Orwellian robots, that there were too many people going in too many different directions, right? But one thing that they were always able to do, even with a lot of bitching and moaning, is back Nancy Pelosi because she was a bully. So do the Democrats and the legacy media want us to believe that it's a good thing that Democrats were bullied into doing what Pelosi wanted every two years? Is that, is that a good thing that they all marched in lockstep behind Nancy Pelosi every time? Is that, is that good that there was never any real dissent? Yeah, there was a little bitching and moaning, but come come time for election, she'd win on the first ballot, right? It'd be done in 10 seconds. Is that is that a good thing? Or is it a good thing when you have people who are independent thinkers, who want things to change, who don't want the Republican, who they call, who they believe is the Republican version of Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy? And they have some real reasons that are legitimate. So my feeling is it's a lot better, and I think Republicans will be better for this in the long run once they get through this process, of having some independent thinkers. This is whether McCarthy wins or not, even if McCarthy pulls it out in the end. They will have scared him enough to where he will do more things that they want, right? Maybe he'll be less establishment. Maybe he'll be less milk toast, And that will be a win for a lot of people in the Republican Party, a lot of Congress people in the Republican Party. And the fact of the matter is, this is what you call democracy in action. This is what Congress is actually supposed to do. They're actually supposed to debate, right? They're supposed to debate and make concessions and give in and do that. You give me this, I give you that. That's what they're supposed to do. That's part of the legislative process of being a legislator. See, the executive says this is what goes. The legislature, they're supposed to actually debate each other. And that's what they're doing. And once again, I got to laugh because you have Democrats who all they've done over the last three years is put out the same bullshit mantra all over Twitter and Facebook whenever they get COVID for the 28th time. And you know what the mantra is, right? I've gotten COVID a 28th time. Um, okay, thank you for the vaccines. Thank you, Mr. Vaccine, Mr. Borless, Big Pharma. Thank you very much. Kissing your ass, sucking your you-know-what. Thank you very much. That's why I'm alive. And it's the same fucking mantra over and over again. No independent thought. It's like this memo went out. This Orwellian memo went out to every Democrat out there and said, when you test positive for COVID, you must say this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And now with this House stuff, I see the same fucking tweet from these imbeciles over and over again. I'm sitting here with my popcorn. That fucking moron, Ted Lieu, one of the biggest fucking dicks to ever grace the halls of Congress, shows up, you know, with a photo of himself with a, with a, with a, with a bag of popcorn like he's at a movie. And they're all doing the same thing. They're all taking photos of themselves with bags of popcorn. Like they're the fucking Stepford Wives of Congress. So there's this ridiculous Orwellian group thing. The Democrats think this is the way to be, that this Orwellian lock, march in lockstep group think is actually better than actually debating and using the fucking democratic process to come up with the Speaker in the House, the third in line to be President of the United States? Is that what these fucking imbecile leftists think? Because that's what I'm seeing now. It's almost like democracy offends Democrats. Democracy offends Democrats. Oh, we did what Nancy Pelosi wanted us to do every two years. That makes them better that they just did with this with this witch, with this brainless, wealthy, elitist witch wanted them to do every two years. That makes them good people. That makes them care about their constituents, care about the citizens, care about the voters. Is that the bullshit that they're trying to push here this week?
because that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. And of course, the legacy media marches in lockstep with that bullshit. They, they march in lockstep with it. And they push the narrative that Republicans are in disarray. Democracy to Democrats, democracy to the left, and the legacy media is disarray. We, but this makes perfect sense. This is what we've seen over the last three years. This is what we've seen past, let's go back six years. This is what we've seen with Trump derangement syndrome and COVID, which is that democracy does not matter. Free speech doesn't matter. The Constitution doesn't matter. The, 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 the political process doesn't matter. It's, this is the, we, we, we are the word of God, right? Democrats, Joe Biden, Fauci, we're the word of God. Your democratic governors are the word of God and you do what they say. You do what they say. Forget, this, once again, this makes perfect sense because democratic governors did not have the legislatures in their states vote on any of that COVID bullshit. It was all edict. Right? So they don't believe in the legislative process. They don't believe in actual democracy. They believe in do as we say. And that extends to do as Nancy Pelosi says or else. You're going to get the fist of Pelosi from Baltimore. Whatever the fuck her real name is. Anastasia. Her Italian. Whatever the Who gives it? This is not democracy. This is not democracy. Kneeling to the governor. Giving in to Pelosi every two years because she's Nancy fucking Pelosi. A, a fucking Italian woman with a big mouth. Who cares? Democracy matters. Debate matters. So they can shove up, they can shove, Ted Lou can shove the popcorn up his ass. Adam Kinzinger is now joining CNN. Is this a shock to anybody? He worked for CNN his whole career in, 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 in Congress. He was a shill for, for CNN. This is the new, see, this is the new lobbyist job for Democrats after they are kicked out of office. After their constituents finally realize they're full of shit, okay, and they care nothing about democracy, they care nothing about freedom, they care nothing about them, and they kick them out of office, this is the new thing. Remember, the complaint was always that politicians kiss lobbyists' ass, and they become lobbyists once they're kicked out of Congress. This is the new thing for the Democrats now. When they're kicked out of Congress, or when they leave jobs, political jobs, they go to CNN or MSNBC. Which proves they basically have been working for them all along. See, January 6th, that whole thing for Adam Kinzinger was just a audition for CNN. His constituents would catch on with a phony, with a fake phony fraud he is, and he'd lose his job, and then he'd have a job waiting for him at CNN. So it was an audition. It was an audition, and it's an audition for a cheap, Low rating network, which is going down in flames. And uh, if they think their network, they think their ratings are going to get boosted by Adam Kinzinger. I got a bridge I want to sell him. So this is the new lobbyist job. This is the, this is the new post congressional job, post political job for Democrats going to CNN. We see with Adam Kinzinger or MSNBC with what's her name? The, the, the former liar in chief. 
for for Biden. So this is this is basically the new thing here now. But once again, how much time passed? Adam Kinzinger has been without a job for like 10 hours, 10 hours after he's no longer officially a congressman. They they have they they don't even wait like a month or two to make it look good. So basically, he's been working for them all along. But this is not a shock. We know Democrats work for CNN and MSNBC while they're in Congress. They do their bidding. They share the same narrative. That same Orwellian memo is passed through them and through CNN and MSNBC and the legacy media to march in lockstep with a certain narrative they have. And this is what the Democratic Party has become. It's become a party of this Orwellian groupthink, very chilling. It's very chilling. It really is. And anyone that thinks outside the box is going to be squashed. Whenever you hear a little peep outside the box, look what they did to Bernie Sanders. And he was never a real threat. Bernie Sanders was never a real anti-establishment, like maybe like a Donald Trump. He was never a real threat. But any little peep from outside their narrative, outside the Pelosi-Schumer-Biden narrative, you are squash, baby. Now, Democrats think that's better than what's happening with the Republicans now. And look, this is not a, a huge uprising here. This is 20 people, right, out of 222. But at least it's something. At least it's something. 200 of them were willing to just go with McCarthy, just the way the Democrats went with Pelosi every two years. Just go along to get along. Don't want to make the speaker, don't want to make the next speaker mad at you. So, as I said yesterday in yesterday's show, this whole idea of kissing your boss's ass, right, in order to keep your job or, or get promoted, at least 20 of these people, these Republicans, know that McCarthy could still, be, probably better than 50-50 shot, end up as speaker, yet they aren't worried about not kissing his ass. These are awful people who aren't kissing the ass of the guy they know will probably be in power and could, could harm them, could get revenge on them. They're not worried about this. That's pretty ballsy as far as I'm concerned. Pretty friggin' ballsy. But it's only democracy in action. If McCarthy wins this thing and he holds it against them, he's a dick. Because this is what politics is all about. This is what being in Congress is all about. Not just going along to get along or doing the thing you're supposed to do, whatever that means. And that's what we hear from the legacy media all the time. Oh, come on. These people are supposed to do this, supposed to raise the debt ceiling. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. No, no, no. That's all garbage. And some people want that to be a thing of the past. The old rules. We have a new generation of politicians now who like them or don't like them, agree with them politically or not, agree with them on issues or not. They don't want things the old way. They don't want the status quo anymore. They don't want the status quo anymore. And I think they should be praised for that. Once again, I don't I am not enough. I'm not a Republican. And I'm not enough of an insider in Congress to really know if McCarthy is just like Pelosi with an R next to his name, that he is a total establishment tool. I don't know that. I, I can't say that. 
Yes, he's voted for the money to Ukraine, but they 99% of them do. But he's voted against other things. I mean, he's voted against Biden most of the time. So I, I don't know if he's a Republican stooge, if he's a rhino. But I do know that those 20 people have legitimate concerns about that. They have legitimate concerns about that. Now, look, there are people on Twitter who just reflexively are going to go with the anti-establishment people and call him a rhino and laugh in his face. I think that's kind of childish. I really do. You know, anything that anything that once again, there's a problem with anything that reeks of establishment going that way because you just have to be the establishment. There's also a problem with, you know, always having to be the outsider, always having to be the outlier because it makes you look good or it makes you look important or it makes you look different or it makes you look like a spine, whatever it may be. But I think there's a, there's a happy medium here. OK, and I'm not talking about I'm not talking like that. You know, these politicians always claim to want to be moderate, independent, and the voice of reason. I hate that shit. I hate that crap. But to simply just say they must vote for McCarthy because they're supposed to, right? Or just say they have to vote against him because they're supposed to, if you're if you're an anti But it, it's, it's a very mixed bag here because you have Donald Trump supporting McCarthy and still supporting McCarthy. And a lot of these people who are against McCarthy are big Trumpers, right? Because they believe in him as the outsider, the anti-establishment candidate. So it's a, it's a very mixed bag. But what it proves about these 20 people is they're not going to march in lockstep with McCarthy and they're not going to march in lockstep with whatever Donald Trump wants. So that's a good thing. They're not going to march in lockstep with the establishment or the anti-establishment guy. They're going to make up their own mind. They're going to ache up, and they want Jim Jordan, most of them. Most of them want Jim Jordan, as I explained yesterday, for the reasons why. That is what they want. Now, will they get it or not? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But the whole idea that there's something wrong with this process is my problem. Forget the names. To, to, take the names out of it to me. The names out of it. The process is the process. It's what the process is supposed to be. I want these hearings to start yesterday. You know that. And I know these hearings can't start at all until there's a speaker. So I want there to be a speaker sooner rather than later. But I'm not going to just shit on the process and say there's something wrong with the process and Republicans are, you know, retarded or disarray, whatever these people are saying about them. Or these 20 people are selfish and, and uh, unprofessional, all these ridiculous things that are being thrown at them. I'm not going to say any of that because I believe this is a good process. And I prefer the mindset of being a critique, a critic, as opposed to just going along with everything of that Orwellian mindset the Democrats have these days. That, to me, is very frightening, much more frightening than 20 Republicans yelling and giving speeches and not wanting to just go along because they're supposed to. I like the idea of the independent thinkers. I like the idea of people saying, wait a minute, let's think about this. Let's have here, once again, as I've talked about, critical thinking abilities. I like the idea of having critical thinking abilities. And the first critical thinking ability, you the first thing you would think of is, why do we have to vote for Kevin McCarthy? Why? 
What is the reason why we must and we're bad people if we don't? Okay, there are those that'll say, and I've heard Newt Gingrich say it, that McCarthy deserves it. As I said yesterday, what does that mean? And Newt went through his resume. Great. He's, yeah, he's got a very impressive resume. So what? Why does that mean he has to have the job? Shouldn't he really work for it? And I, when I mean work for it, I mean get those 20 people on board. Not the people who just reflexively going to go after him, knee-jerk, going to go with him, going to vote for him. What, that's, there's no hard work in that. He's just he's getting their vote because of his name. How about the people who don't want him? Make them want you. That is doing the real work. Make them want you. If I were in Congress, as I said yesterday, I would go to Kevin McCarthy if I was a new Congress person or if I'd been there for a while and I'd say, Kevin, my biggest thing that I want is real hearings. I don't want pro forma hearings like Benghazi where it's a slap on the wrist. We go through the motions. You said we did our job and there's no accountability. I want real accountability. If the facts and evidence lead there, I want real accountability, like court of law accountability. And if he said to me, Mike, I can give you that. I promise you that. And I believed him, I'd vote for him. If he says, I can't promise you that, I say, go take a shit. That's what I would want. And I'm sure there, there are several of those 20 that that's exactly what they want because Matt Gates said that. He doesn't want another Benghazi hearing where it's all pro forma bullshit by the numbers and nothing actually happens. And all you get out of it is a sound bite from Hillary yelling. That's not what we, that's not what they want with these hearings. So I want real accountability. Now, there's this crazy thing going around, of course. This is stupidity. It's amazing how the Democrats and the legacy media can say the Republicans exercising democracy is stupid. But then they say stupid shit like Hakeem Jeffries should be Speaker of the House. First of all, when does that happen, even with a moderate Democrat? But this guy is like an extreme leftist idiot nut job. Why would he? <laughs> why should he be Speaker of the House when the American people Switch the House from Democrat to Republican. The American people didn't want Hakeem Jeffries' party running the House. So why should he be Speaker of the House? Why does he deserve it? It's not like it's, it's not like we're talking about, oh, Joe Manchin. This is Hakeem Jeffries. There's a big difference between Joe Manchin and Hakeem Jeffries politically, I think. So that's not stupid season, talking about Hakeem Jeffries being Speaker of the House. And then Ro Khanna, who I usually like, remember, he's the one who came out during the Twitter files and was was proven to say in emails, this is getting scary. This is like First Amendment violation stuff. We shouldn't go here. So I gave him credit for that. But at the same time, now he's saying he would elect a moderate Republican, not Jeffries, a moderate Republican, whoever they may be, if if Republicans agree to a couple of things. And one is to always raise the debt ceiling. I know there are problems with that. But the second thing is their, their subpoena power will be limited. Ah, buzz, ah, no way. No way would I take that deal. The whole idea of the House is, is subpoena power. The whole idea of taking back the House was to have subpoena power. The whole idea of Congress, the House, is to be the oversight, is to be the checks and balances, is to bring accountability. There's no way I would give up a, an inch, an inch of my subpoena power. So to me, that's out the door. And coming from the guy who knows there were First Amendment violations, Ro Khanna, of all the Democrats, should be the one who wants these investigations because he's on record in email saying these are First Amendment violations. And he wants to limit the Republicans' ability to investigate that. Why? 
To me, that's a total hypocrite. He should be on board with the Republicans. He should be up there grilling people. He knew what was happening in real time, and he warned them about it. So no way, no way do I give up an inch of my subpoena power. That's out the door. Out the door. And Democrats should have no say in this process. They don't allow Republicans to have any say in the process with Pelosi. The 212 Democrats will vote for Jeffries, just like the 212 Republicans voted for whoever they voted for last time when they had the minority. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. So, of course, and look, I expect naive, ignorant Americans to not understand this, but that the legacy media laughing and saying, oh, look, Jeffries has got two more than McCarthy. Of course, Jeffries has got because they're 212 Democrats and they all vote in lockstep because they're all Orwellian brain dead robots and they all voted for Jeffries. So, of course. He got 212 votes in a half a second. Like, that's a big fucking deal. Like, that means he's winning. He's not winning. He got every Democrat to vote for him, and there's not one more vote there to have. Just idiot, idiots. They're just jerks working in the media these days. Then they add Adam Kinzinger to have one more jerk. What, is he, is he, was he a journalist now? So this process might take a while. This process might take a while. But I think the fact that it hasn't taken this long and over in about 100 years is not a good thing. They say, oh, this hasn't happened over 100 years. Were they crazy? No, because it's a problem that this kind of thing hasn't happened in over 100 years. That there's always one person that everyone watches that bullies that bullies everyone else and threatens them like we know Pelosi loved to threaten people. Like, you know, the squad, AOC, get in line or else. And that they, that worked. That's a good thing. That's democracy. One woman, one person. Bullying the whole, the whole house, their whole contingent, their whole party into voting for them. And no one having the balls to say, no, we're not going to do that. Or a group getting together and saying, we're not going to allow this. We're not going to be steamrolled by this person, by this woman. That's a good thing that hasn't happened in 100 years? Come on now. This is democracy, people. And sometimes it's dirty. And sometimes it's a little silly. Sometimes it goes on too long, like a bad movie. Or like a good movie that goes on too long sometimes. But, you know, this is the way it goes. But, you know, once again, I always have to point out the hypocrisy of the left and the Democrats and, and the legacy media, you know, and believe me, we know this. We know that if the Democrats were independent thinkers, if the Democrats had 20 or 30 people who didn't want to vote for Pelosi, the left, the Democrats and the left wing media, the legacy media would not be chastising them, would not be saying they're losers, would not be saying they should mark in lockstep. They'd be saying, oh, well, they have valid, you know, they have valid criticisms. The progressive, the you know, the, the progressive wing has valid criticisms. But not because these 20 people have valid criticisms. They're crazy, Trumpy, nutty outliers that shouldn't be listened to, that, that hate their constituents. It's such bullshit. In fact, they're trying to do the best for their constituents in, in, in a lot of ways, which is trying to get a speaker that's going to get things done that actually improves the lives of the American people and not the select few elites, which is usually the case. And God forbid we shouldn't throw another billion dollars to Ukraine next week. Hey, this is one good thing, right, about 
No Congress, no more money to Ukraine. Maybe, hey, maybe we should keep this this way forever. No Congress, no more money to the Ukraine. Not a bad idea. I think what's really funny about it is all the people interviewing everyone in Congress now. Even if you've been in Congress for 30 years, you're congressman-elect because you can't swear anybody in. It's hilarious. So you're hearing like these people who were elected in 1990 being called congressman-elect because they can't be, they, they, they become congressman-elect again. <laughs> after January 3rd at noon. I think it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, we have these little idiosyncratic weird things in this country. But th- it's the way it goes sometimes. And sometimes a once-in-a-hundred-year thing is not a... Sometimes it's a bad thing like a virus, but sometimes it's a good thing when you have, like, democracy in action, right? When you see the actual process, I believe the founding the founding fathers put it in the Constitution this way. So it happens this way sometimes. So we have the ability to do it this way. This is not illegal. It's perfectly legal. It's perfectly constitutional. It's exactly what the Constitution says should happen to elect a speaker. And and I was thinking the other day, well, why the hell did the founding fathers say we can't swear anyone in? Well, because they wanted them to come up with a speaker first. They want them to do the hard work first before they could call themselves a congressperson. They wanted them to do the hard work first to make sure they did this hard work so then they can get sworn, then they can get their prize of being a congressperson. See, that's why they did it that way and not the reverse way of letting everyone be sworn in and then finding a speaker because this puts more skin in the game, baby. You're not a real congressperson until you get this job done. Once again, I will tell you with everything, everything, and I've done this too. At first thought, you could say, Jesus, why did these founding fathers do this? I don't, it's so weird. Then when you just think about it critically for five minutes, you say, you know what? I get it, and they were right. And I get it, when they, and, and they were right about this process, right about the First Amendment, right about the Second Amendment, right about every fucking amendment they put in there. They knew what they were doing. Because they thought about this stuff for more than 10 seconds before they did it. So they'll have to come up with a speaker first before anything can be done. You know, and of course, this ridiculous argument that, oh, the people's work is not being done. Come on. That's the whole point of this. When is the people's work ever done? The people's work is very rarely done. That's what a lot of these, that's what these 20 people are saying. That the people's work is never done. This is about finally getting a Congress, a leader that will get the people's work done, what the people want done. And they don't want someone, a milquetoast, establishment, Republican tool. I don't blame them. I don't blame them one bit. And so we'll see where it goes. But there's no reason to chastise this or laugh at it. It's just let the process play out. If you don't find it interesting, do something else till it's done. If you find it interesting, watch C-SPAN. I don't watch. I don't watch. The, I don't watch for seven hours watching them talk and take votes. That's not my thing. To me, it's like watching paint dry. But I don't. I don't. I don't say it's. It shouldn't be done. I mean, it's a democratic process. It's a process, and the Republicans, I truly believe, will be stronger than the Democrats because of this process. They will get a speaker. That they've worked to get the person who is the speaker will have worked their ass off to get to 218 votes. 
and he'll have more respect. He or she will have more respect. I think it's just he. I don't, I don't have any women that are up there, but he will have more respect after that. That he was able to do this and he did it through hard work, not just because he deserved it or it was his time or he's supposed to be him. I'll respect the person more. I never respected Pelosi. I'll respect the person more for that, even if it's Kevin McCarthy or if it's Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise or Donald Trump. But it's not going to be Donald Trump. And that's another thing that most people don't realize. You've probably heard it by now. Because you're seeing the democratic process. The speaker can be anybody. It can be me. It could be Daniel. It could be William. It could be Mike, Misha, or uh, Obama. I mean, Oblamov. It could be anybody. Now, think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. People will say, well, why the founding fathers say it didn't have to be someone in Congress who speaks of the House? Shouldn't it have to be someone in Congress? Uh, you know, if you just, once again, if you didn't have any critical thinking, you'd say, sure, that makes sense. It should be someone in Congress. But no, no. The point is the founding fathers wanted this process to play out. When the founding fathers put it in there, that it didn't have to be someone who was elected to Congress. What by doing something like that, you're opening it up to debate. That's what they wanted. They didn't want to be just someone who's there, who's been there forever. It can be. It usually is because that's who they trust the most. Or, of course, that's the person who raises the most money for them. They're going to say, what the hell? Micah Chopley, he can't raise any money. And they're right, I can't. I don't know how to raise money, so I'm out. But the founding fathers wanted the process to play out, and that is putting another kind of uh, bolt in there, right? To make it even more of a process, that it can be someone outside. It could be, it could be more than just 435 people. It could be endless, millions of people. Just by putting that little little thing in there which of course doesn't play out that way it's always someone who's in congress it shows they wanted a real debate with this position especially they wanted a real debate and anyone can throw their resume in there i think it'd be more interesting if it was someone outside of congress if it was someone who's not a quote-unquote not a quote-unquote politician i think that would be better of course they won't do that because they want to be one of their own but you know, that's always a possibility. It can be someone outside of Congress, which is why they talk about Donald Trump. But if, of course, it's not going to be Donald Trump. Be interesting. You think Donald Trump could get 218 Republicans? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Not at this point. Maybe the Trump of maybe the pre midterm election Trump, <laughs> maybe Trump of three or four months ago could have. But I don't think the the uh, bruised and dented Trump of the post-midterm election could get 218 votes for, for Speaker of the House. Not, not, not at this point. Not at this point. But let's just let that process play out. Really. Really. And the Democrats, like I said, they're full of shit. They're full of shit with their groupthink, with their ridiculous memes and tweets about, wait, we're here eating popcorn. We're eating popcorn. So the meme went out. The, this is it. The, the memo went out. The memo went out. You know, there was a time when the, when the left wing would make fun of the right wing. And they would say a memo, because when I was in radio in the 90s, working at the BBC with Bob Grant and Rush Limbaugh, they would always say, the left wing, the Democrats would always say, oh, Newt Gingrich put a memo out and all of the right wing talk show hosts have to say the same thing, right? Because you'd hear Rush Limbaugh saying it, you'd hear 
Sean Hannity saying it. You'd hear Mark Levin saying it. And they say, "Uh oh, the memo went out. Well, a memo going out. Talk about memos going out. Look how the memo goes out now when they get COVID, like I mentioned, where they have to put up their tweet about the vaccines being wonderful and keeping them alive. Or now with the same memo going out that everyone mentioned popcorn, all Democrats, there had to be a memo. All de- Someone, Pelosi must have written it, or Hakeem Jeffries. All Democrats must tweet about having their popcorn and watching the show. And they're all doing it. That's more, that is, to me, chilling. Chilling that there's no independent thought. That one Democrat says, fuck you. That one Democrat puts up a tweet saying, you know, I got this COVID seven times. What's up with these shitty vaccines? <laughs> Not one. Not one. So to me, that's that's the frightening part. That group think Orwellian think is the most frightening thing that's happened to the Democratic Party. The number one reason why I'm out and will never go back. The number one reason why millions of people are out. Maybe maybe most people who left the party can't put it into words. I'll put it in the words for them. That's the biggest reason. Because a party that used to be the party of independent thought, of fractions, of never being able to decide anything because everyone was thinking in a million different ways, is now the party of incredible. At some point, and was it Trump that did it? This is where maybe you have to call in and help me. Did Trump do it? Did COVID do it? Something happened. Where that party went from the party of independent thinkers to the party of Orwellian groupthink. I can only think it's Trump and COVID. It seems to be fairly recent in the last five to six years that this has happened with the Democratic Party. But that is incredibly chilling and much worse than even if this thing drags out for six, seven weeks with a speaker. Healthy debate is good. And healthy debate doesn't mean you agree with all the debaters. It doesn't mean you agree with every word that comes out of their mouth. You know, Lauren, Lauren Boebert said something about Jim Jordan. Oh, they had said Jim Jordan doesn't even want the position, that he's voting for McCarthy and continues to push McCarthy. And she said, well, George Washington didn't really want to be president. I think that's stupid, a stupid statement. I really do. To compare Jim Jordan to George Washington, that George Washington didn't want to be president and eventually was, you know, coerced or, you know, convinced. But once again, I don't agree with those words necessarily. I think it's a silly comparison, a silly analogy. But so what? So what? At least there's some thought outside the box. At least there's some critical thinking that we don't want the same old, same old again. And we've always talked about this on the show a million times. 90% of my callers Oh, the Republicans are the same. The Democrats are the same. The Republicans take over. They do nothing. Then the Democrats take over because the country's tired of the Republicans. They do nothing. And then the, the country's tired of the Democrats and the Republicans and back and forth. And they're right about that on a lot of 90% of the issues. They're right about that. Maybe that's what these 20 people don't want anymore. The country voted the Republicans to take over the House. Let's do something different. Let's just not do the same old, same old, and then hand it back to the Republicans in two or four years, uh, Democrats in two or four years, and the same cycle, and the same cycle, and the same cycle. Look at Hakeem Jeffries. You know, as soon as the Democrats take back the House, and they will eventually, of course, and he's a young guy. So as soon as they take it back, whether it's 24, 26, 28, 30, he is the Speaker of the House. They won't even debate it. 
First of all, Democrats can't debate it. Why not? Because they're the woke party of political correctness, right? And identity politics. And he's a black, young black guy. And he's the next Obama. And he's got to be the Speaker of the House, right? So is that, is that critical thinking? Is that the thinking that Democrats believe is good? That the legacy media thinks is good? That it's just, it's just his time because he's a young black guy. And they can't be anybody else. Between now, even if the Democrats don't take back the House for a decade, there's no one there between now and a decade from now who can challenge him. It's got to be him. It's owed to him. Why? Why is it owed to this young extreme leftists? Why? Because he's young and black and speaks well. Didn't they say that about Obama? Oh, yeah, Biden said that about Obama. He's black and he speaks well. What a shock, huh? That was Biden's words, not mine, by the way. So once again, the Democrats are full of shit. The legacy media as usual is full of shit. On every issue, they're always full of shit. I can't think of any issue where they've been right lately in the last 10 years. I can't. Every issue they find the full of shit position to take. It's like the two Reiners, Jonathan Reiner and Rob Reiner. Right? The doctor, quote unquote, quack Jonathan Reiner, who's the COVID lunatic. And of course, Rob Reiner, who, who's the total, you know, knee jerk leftist meathead. And, and that's the kind of people they seem to want in their party. The Reiners. It's like, and I'm going to transition to this, and this, believe me, it, it's totally makes sense. So I talked about this yesterday. They for, Daniel called in and, and alerted us that he went, to, he went to Trader Joe's here in San Francisco, and they were out of everything. And he's wondering, and he asked the you know people there why, and he said, well, the rain, the storm, they're all panic buying. And, of course, I knew it. I knew it because I'm from New York. And I know that nine out of 10 times and lately, 10 out of 10 times, it seems like the weather models are getting worse as they get more technologically advanced. Every time they call for a big snowstorm, it doesn't happen. Okay? They don't. They call for an eight inch, eight feet of snow. People go buy milk and bread and this and that. And you get eight inches of cloudy. It happens every fucking time. It happens three or four times a year. So I don't believe them either. I don't believe the weather. I don't believe the government. I don't believe anybody. So they call for this huge storm in San Francisco. You know, actually, they, they said that San Francisco is the bullseye. It's the bullseye of the the, 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 the the combination of the cyclone bomb and the tropical juice. And, oh, my God, San Francisco, I said, it's not going to happen. Uh, the rain started 24 hours ago, and it's been light to moderate rain and little wind for the whole time. So it's never happened. And I knew it wasn't going to happen. Yet people were panic buying. They were going crazy. They were going. The electricity was going to be out in the city for eight weeks. And. Once again, no critical thinking abilities that this doesn't happen in the city. It doesn't happen. There might have been places outside the city as usual, but the mayor, London Breed of San Francisco, goes on TV and says, state of emergency. So, you know, it didn't happen here. What's her excuse going to be? That happened somewhere else? But she's the mayor of San Francisco. Why did the mayor in San Francisco call for this big alert when nothing happened in San Francisco? Because this is the new thing now, right? With COVID and hysteria. Go crazy. Hair, hair on fire. Hair on fire. Go crazy. Fear. Hysteria. That's all they know. State of emergency. Bring in money. Bring in more money that we're going to spend on something else. Because we didn't need it for COVID or the storm because neither was a real emergency. So this is the game they play all the time. And so Daniel was upset about that because he knew it was bullshit before it happened. I knew it was bullshit before it happened. And so today I'm walking. I go to the gym. Yes, I go. I went to the gym in the drizzle. I know. I, I'm a hearty guy from New York. So I walked to the gym, and, the, and it was raining, and the winds were 10 miles an hour. I went to the gym. And, uh, and as I'm walking back from the gym at about, what time was it? About 4 o'clock. 
I pass a, uh, a little coffee shop, independent coffee shop. And I think, well, why is no one? Every time I pass that coffee shop at about four o'clock, there are 30 people in there and no one's in there and the lights are off. And I said, what the hell's going on? Did the power go out? And I look and there's a sign on the door and I said, oh, today's hours, we're closing at three. They didn't even have like, they were so embarrassed. They didn't even say because of the rain. They didn't say because of the weather. They just said, today's hours are till three as they usually close at 5.30. So late, that's late for San Francisco. They couldn't even stay open until 5.30. They closed at three. Why? Of course, because of the storm, right? Because of the, the impending mega conglomeration of Hawaiian juice and a bomb cyclone. And they closed. And I took a p- picture of it and I posted on Twitter and I said, this is San Francisco. This is San Francisco where they forecast rain and wind and stores close early. Meanwhile, in Minnesota, two feet of snow and they're going to the fucking hockey game. This is, once again, this is part of group think. This is part of just believing everything the government tells you. Believing everything the government tells you. Well, why would the weather service lie? Well, not that they don't lie, but the models suck. We've made no progress since I think the 18th century on predicting weather. We might as well not have, we might as well do the old way where like people from our neighbors, from neighboring states, you know, we, they, they tell people and by the, and they just spread it. And by the time it gets to us, the storm is here. This is the same fucking thing. And I know it's always wrong. And what happened today? A little bit of rain and wind. I, I've seen storms 10 times worse. I've seen storms worse here, but certainly worse on the East Coast. And uh, and everything was out of stock. I went to I went to Walgreens, and all their potato chips are gone. <laughs> that's that's what people decide they needed to buy potato chips. We can't we can't go. There were people actually tweeting. Some guy tweeted to like Uber Eats. Are you going to uh, people going to be delivering tomorrow? I get my food delivered to me. I can't do without Uber Eats for a day. This is where I live. I really, truly got to get out of this place. It's a, it's, a, it's a crazy house. And it really just proves these people here are snowflakes with no intestinal fortitude. God forbid I'm living here and a real thing happens like, uh, let's say, the earthquake of 1989. God forbid that happens now. These people here would just sink into the earth. There is no intestinal fortitude here. It, like, like Daniel said, uh, I see Daniel wants to come on. Give me one second. This is like the pussification of 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 liberal cities. I, I say the pussification of America, but like I said, in Minnesota, very left, very Democrat city, two feet of snow, and they're walking to the fucking game. Here they forecast rain and wind, and they close their stores early. And people on Twitter, oh, but Mike, you're so mean. No, this is this is what you call caring about your workers, workers' rights, workers' safety. Safety from what? Liquid falling from the fucking sky? And these people actually believe this. So what, Minnesota, there's no worker safety? They opened up the hockey rink. They opened up the hockey. They played a hockey game. A non-essential thing they did with two feet of snow. Here, a little bit of rain and wind for 10 hours, and they closed the stores. Why? Because they don't care about workers' rights in Minnesota. In Minneapolis, there are no workers' rights. These people are crazy. Where is me? Yeah. um, You know, uh, San Francisco used to be all about erotica, and now they're all about neurotica. I love it. I love it. You've just trademarked something there, I think. Yeah, they they didn't skip a beat either in in that transition. Um, 
I, um, here, here, here's my day while uh, while San Franciscans were were cowering uh, in in their um, apparently windowless abodes. <laughs> it's like they all live in huts. They all live in freaking condos, man. It's not like they're living like in these low lying. Like everyone has, no one has a fucking basement. So it's like everyone's living in these condos here on the 80th floor, and they're worried about rain. It's insane. Yeah, they're insane. So, so, so after finishing my, my work day, I put on my uh, my running shoes and uh, headed out uh, to to the Panhandle, and like I usually do, um, I, I run and walk, and I just I, I run. I'll run a mile at a time. It's just whatever whenever I feel like it. It's um, um, it's just kind of a, when when the spirit moves me, as our mayor says, I will I will run. And um, so I, I went out and and ran about six and walked about six in total. About half of it was in the rain, no big deal. About half of it was this beautiful, beautiful evening, um, where the where the, the street was slightly wet, and I had it timed perfectly. So you know it was it was late. It was probably around nine o'clock. So I didn't spend my usual. Um, 45 minutes to an hour at the uh, calisthenics area. So I quickly got in a uh, hundred, hundred uh, chin-ups and, and 200 dips and uh, passed by the pike push it because the ground was wet and it was getting late and uh, I headed home. But there, I probably on my, on my walk, total walk of and run of 12 miles saw on the streets, maybe six people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes. You the know, there was, no, there, was no traffic. there was no traffic either. I mean, there was no traffic. Yeah, crucifixion was... doesn't go near far enough. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. It was a little light to moderate rain the entire time. There were, and maybe an hour of it I would have called moderate rain. And, you know, I, I get my shoes on. Um, I usually uh, take an old pair of shoes when it's a day like this because I anticipate that within three miles, no matter what I do to avoid puddles, my feet are going to be soaking wet for the next 10. <laughs> so I just I just count on it and um, and just and just head out and uh, try try to try to enjoy uh, outdoors no matter no matter what the weather is. It's 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 hard to it's hard to keep me indoors. And um, yeah, it's just. I, I, at one point, I stopped in because I was a little, uh, little peckish, as they say, and stopped in and, and got a bag of jalapeno chips. And as as I am purchasing the chips, I hear some newscaster weatherman um, going on and on and on about, about how terrible the weather is. And I look at the cash register, uh, cashier, sorry, and I look up at the the. Um, mm-hmm. uh, TV that's that's playing overhead, and I look back at him, and I look up just to cause attention to the TV, and he goes, "Yeah, I know, <laughs> because it, it's absolutely gorgeous out there." this is like the this is like this Baghdad Bob journalism that you know, <laughs> people don't remember. Maybe I'm too old. Baghdad Bob was the guy in Iraq who worked for Saddam Hussein. Who there's a video of him saying there are no American tanks coming here. And behind him, about half mile behind him, you see about seven American tanks <laughs> riding. So this is called this. Is, now we say Baghdad Bob when, when the journalist or someone in the news says or a politician says something's not happening that is so obvious to the world that it's happening. And this is the same thing. It's it's bad enough to say okay, and this happened with COVID too, right? It's bad enough to say this is coming, this is impending, it's impending doom that doesn't happen. But as nothing is happening, they're telling us it's happening, and I'm still seeing it now. And this this is not just San Francisco. This is a nationwide thing. When I was in New York, the same thing would happen. They'd forecast two feet of snow, 
Nothing would happen, right? They'd forecast two feet of snow. And in, you know, three quarters of the way through that forecast period, there'd be no snow. And the forecaster would still come on the TV and go, this isn't over yet. It's going to happen. It's happened. And of course, it would never happen. It's like, don't believe your eyes. Don't believe your eyes and will never admit we're wrong. They never admit they were wrong. They never admit they're wrong. Whether it's COVID, whether it's mass, whether it's weather, they never admit they're wrong. They just go on to the next thing, the next time of being wrong again and fooling people again. It's maddening. And once again, people say, Mike, it's the weather. Don't get, but it's from the weather, it's from the smallest things to the biggest things. And the lunacy, like the rating of Trader, Trader Joe's, like you talked about, the, the lunatics are running the asylum because then normal people like me and you, Daniel, want to go buy something and it's not there. You know, when you mention the potato chips, I laugh because that's one of the things I noticed when watching, you know, like I said, at least one third of the shelves were, were bare. It was the potato chip aisle that really, really stood out to me. There were no potato chips, no tortilla chips, nothing like that. And then I walked by the fruit section and, and this is what really got a laugh out of me. Um, you know, lots of fruit was gone, but it was when it came to the oranges, it was all the seedless oranges that were gone. They didn't touch the seeded oranges. <laughs> and I just thought immediately, it's like, these people, they're, they're, they're doing this panic buying. They think they're going to run out of food, but they can't be troubled to pick seeds out of oranges. <laughs> the no, rest of the oranges are all gone, but they're not going to buy these ones that they're going to pick the seeds out of. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's true. But what's also true is the whole idea of like these, uh, the potato chip, the junk food aisle being sold out really says the whole deal, right? Well, we're just going to sit on the couch and continue to get obese, continue to get fat. That's we're not, we're worried about COVID so much that we're going to get fat, right? We're worried about, we're worried about food not being available. So we're going to eat potato chips for the next three days. That'll, that'll sustain us. The potato chips will sustain us. It's, it's, it's so absurd. It's so absurd. Yeah, I should have checked the alcohol aisle as well when I was in there, but um, I never go down that aisle. Well, alcohol, I think it was alcohol, um, junk food, and toilet paper that really went big time during the COVID craziness of the spring of 2020. So that tells you all you need to know about this country. It tells you all you need. Here, 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 trending on Twitter right now as I talk to you, Daniel, hashtag bomb cyclone. Did you see a, <laughs> did you see a bomb cyclone? Um. I saw no cyclone of any kind whatsoever, and I, I was hoping to. I mean, I would love to have been out there walking in anything <laughs> called a cyclone. That would have been that would have been fun to talk about. But yeah, t totally missed that. Um, damn. And 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 the and the politicians say the same thing over and over again. And this is once again this extends back to COVID when they're totally wrong, and people get hurt by it, and stupid things happen because of it. They don't admit they're wrong. They said, well. Uh, better safe than sorry. Better safe. That's how you say I'm a. Instead of saying I'm a stupid fucking moron that doesn't belong in this position, you say better safe than sorry. That that's the new way of not having to say you're wrong. Better safe than sorry. I think I'm going to use that. Can 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 an average person use that to their boss when they do something wrong? Well, boss, better safe than sorry. Yeah, go find another fucking job. Yep. Um, and, and with that, I'm going to be signing off. But first, I want to clear something up that came up um, yesterday after um, um, I had tweeted something. Uh, Bill was correct. 
um, that, that I ran competitively and um, I was a skinny runner at one time and a skinny cyclist at one time and I competed uh, cycling as well competitively during grad school. And um, so you, you guys got that wrong. It was me. Um, Gator uh, possibly as well, but um, uh, it, it, that was it was definitely one of my um, um, comments in the comment section. So I just just wanted to clear that up. Um, now I'm not, now I'm not skinny anymore. <laughs> I decided to change that, and um, and uh, yeah, um, and I'm having fun doing that at my age. So Daniel um, Daniel looks like Daniel looks like Jack Lalane. Don't let him fool you. But the thing is, Daniel, you really now you don't in your new political uh, ideology you have. You don't really like these. You don't like these these current bicyclists, do you? I mean, they can be kind of annoying. They can be kind of leftist. No, I, I have a lot of respect for cyclists. And my son competes um, for, for the UCSD team cycling. Um, and and I love cycling. It's, it's a great sport. Um, I wish that... Um, well, are, 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 bicy- are people riding bicycles in bus lanes? Is that cycling? I don't know about that. Well, I, I, I wouldn't cycle. It, it, people, you know, there, there's... There's there's cycling for for the sake of training and for road racing and there's cycling for the sake of commuting. Um, I think that um, we we have to do better protect, protecting um, a cyclist in, in all communities. Um, I've I, over my um, a, a short career as, as competing as a cyclist, I was involved in a number of uh, very ugly incidents, and I started carrying a 22 caliber weapon for the first time in, in my life that was um, holstered underneath my riding jersey um, because of so many incidents. People get really ugly in their cars. Um, they um, just like so many other, just like in so many other situations where there is some degree of anonymity, you get person behind a wheel, and their behavior can uh, can get really ugly really quick. I have got um, lots of stories to tell you about that uh, well, people need to people need to respect cyclists more cyclists need to respect the laws more um you see them you see cyclists that are competitive cyclists those are the ones you're likely to see obeying every single traffic law um the ones that are the commuters those are the ones that are flying through because they just don't have a good sense of how quickly things can go tits up with uh, on a bicycle um and it and it can be as a, a a you know a split second a, a um, wink of an eye you right. can be riding along and boom you're down on the ground and there's no one around you it's just you and the bike and that's that's how that's it's how precarious bike riding can be and you need good bike handling skills um to, to navigate them especially weather like this and yeah, I just wish um, cyclists and motorists would respect each other um, more. There's just some weird, weird psychology that goes on in both of their heads, and um, and yeah, the world would be would be a better place if, um, at least on the road, if um, if there was greater respect for for, for everyone on the road, right. pedestrians, everyone, greater respect for everybody. Yeah. I think you're right. That's a good thing to end with, there, Daniel. Great respect for everybody. Let's have respect. Let's have respect for the. For the democratic process too. How about that? Yeah, I thought you were going to deliver Rodney. Uh, I, I was, you know, I was getting so close. I was getting, <laughs> I was getting so close. So close. <laughs> hey, good. Have a good night. Right, you too. All right. Um, I'll get. I'm, I'm looking on Twitter, and uh, you know, I, I talk about hypocrisy from the left, and I like Fox News, but you know, Sean Hattie's full of shit too. I mean, first of all, he totally gave in on the Trump thing, right? I mean, he was talking for two years on his show about how Trump was treated, cheated. Then he goes in front of Congress, wherever he went, and he said, oh, I never believed that he was cheated. I, I never believed him. So he told total pussy. But 
Then he has on a Bober today. And he asked her, if you don't have a name for a speaker with 30 votes, is it time for you to withdraw? In other words, if you don't have a, a real name of someone you want. And she said, I'm not going to withdraw. And he said, I feel like I'm getting an answer from a liberal. Well, he's totally full of shit on a couple of for a couple of reasons. One is he's not getting an answer from a liberal. As I just explained, and as Sean Handy should know, it's the left that just marches in lockstep with no dissenting thought. They're the ones who just voted for Nancy Pelosi every two years, no matter what. A little bit of chitter, chatter here and there, but at the end, they all voted for Pelosi on the first ballot. So, and he, and he criticized it. This self-full of shit Hannity is on this. He criticized Democrats. How many times did he criticize Democrats having no independent thinkers and not standing up to Nancy Pelosi and just reflectively voting for her? So that was bad, but just voting from a, not voting from a car, just voting from McCarthy is good. That's fine. You see, there's the hypocrisy on both sides. I'll always point out hypocrisy on both sides. He's being full of shit, Sean. He's being full of shit. And, uh, I think one of the reasons is, is simply because he probably just likes Kevin McCarthy. He likes Kevin McCarthy. And people say, oh, it's personal. People who aren't voting for him, it's personal. Well, <laughs> personality has a lot to do with everything. Of course, personality matters. Personality matters in the workplace. Sometimes your boss will give a job to someone who's more qualified than you are because he personally likes that person better than you. And that's just the way it is. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can fight harder to get a new job. You can wait for a new boss. You, you, but that's life, baby. That's life. And so in politics, there are going to be personal conflicts. It's nothing wrong with personal conflicts. There's nothing wrong with that. That's part of life. And, and politics is part of life. And the people in Congress are human beings, right? So they're going to have these personal grudges sometimes, these chips on their shoulders sometimes. And sometimes, if that's the case, the person has to work harder to get that person's vote. And there's nothing wrong with that. Let's stop saying that the human element doesn't matter. That you just totally put the human element aside. That's not the way life works. Bill, how you doing tonight, Bill? Bill, are you there? Hey, Mike, can no, you hear me? How's it going? Good. I was, I was down on the Substack. I was reading Steve Kirsch's Substack over again regarding uh, the ball player that got hurt. But I'll, I'll start with the most current thing. Interesting to hear about, I thought I read it was Daniel that did the cycling and the biking, I guess. <laughs> but that's amazing. That's crazy that he's, what, 65? He's, he did 12 miles today. That's terrific. Yeah, every day. He yeah. does it every day. It's a, it's a, hey, it's an obsession. It's an obsession. <laughs> that's a lot. That's that's amazing. So, um. <laughs> Anyway, I, I had posted uh, in the live chat, and sometimes the chat's kind of funny. Sometimes it seems like the more people post in, then things get bumped out. But, or like, oh, no, it's still there. Do you remember Dylan Rodinger when he was with CNBC? Absolutely, uh, sure. Yeah. Remember the rants he was doing about getting money out of politics? and uh, yes. whole movie, yeah. 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 All, was all, the time. Like, all, all the time. Man, he was awesome, wasn't he? That was like he, 2011, I think it was. Yeah, he was really and, good. I don't know where that guy is today, but boy, I miss hearing that. Um, Didn't they send him to the cornfield because he wasn't marching? I think they did. <laughs> yeah, they sent him to the cornfield. Yeah, because he because yeah. I remember back in the day when I was watching the Young Turks, they would put him on sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you know he was sent to the cornfield by the establishment, basically. Yeah, you know, so, so, yeah. So they would, they would put him on from time to time. Yeah, he, he was kind of independent. Then that's the thing: you can't be an independent thinker in in politics or in journalism 
or in the mm. media. You must, you must mark in, march in lockstep. This is why so many people like Glenn Greenwald are doing their own thing now, Matt Taibbi, Substack, because they're tired of being beholden to the narrative of the higher-ups, right? They're tired yeah. of being beholden to the narrative of the elites that want them to think in, in a, a certain way, and if they get out of line, they're out. It's true. It's true. And, you know, um, I pulled a, a quote from Dylan. He was talking about how, you know, the, it's the, the money in politics where 94% of the time it's the, the the candidates are bound by their donors, basically, or the people who get them in. And so whether it's right or left wing, unfortunately, that's why we see the policies don't change that much. And yet, you know, They'll run on different platforms and then like the same old happens. So people switch back and forth voting for each party and we don't really get much, much overall change in, in the politics of the nation. It's, it, uh, I don't know what the solution is, but getting the money out of politics, that was 2011 and nothing's changed. Like I said, they just, they, didn't, they don't like him saying that. So boop, he gets the boot. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> of, course. of course. Of course. Yeah. Jim so, Cramer's doing though. Jim Cramer's doing okay though. All you gotta do is scream. Look into a camera and scream about things. <laughs> Act like a total cuck, fucking moron, and you can make big. You can make a big in this country that way. As no long problem. as you get clicks, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it's easy. It's easy to to, to scream into a camera and mm-hmm. tell people to do something, and then of course when they do it and they go broke, no skin off your ass, right? Right, right. <laughs> the other thing I'd like to talk about, um, mem- uh, regarding Damar Hamlin, uh, Steve Kurtz has a really good Substack piece on that. You know, Steve Kurtz, he appeared with Dr. Malone on uh, Dark Horse. Remember when they had Brett Weinstein early on in the pandemic thing? Sure. Pandemic. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, uh, what's it called again? Commodio Cardis, the mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. from Impact. Um, there was another fellow, Peak Prosperity, Chris Martin said, who he's, man, he's terrific too. And he commented on this. I put a video. He had, and he said, you know, if I just, if, let me recall the stats. Um, it's like in the history of a football from high school, all through all different, you know, levels, there's only been like a hundred around. I don't think, no, he was even saying sports and overall, that's right. Baseball, everything. There's only been 150 cases of that Commodio Cardis. He said, and, and the vast majority of them are kids under 14. And what yeah, the it's, deal it's very rare, and, it's, and, and, and it hasn't really been seen in football in the NFL, right? It's never I mean, been seen in the NFL. Yeah, right. right. Can I let me? Can I touch on the reasons why? Or did you of want course. to? Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, first of all, the reason they see it with young kids is because their chest plates, you know, are informed fully yet do you follow right. me the, the so and then it's usually a small projectile at high speed like a baseball or hockey yes. you know puck. whereas when you get to be adult of course your, your your muscles and your chest develop but plus the football pads of course cover the chest do you follow me yes and so that disperses the impact you know the chest plate and then in the contact like the helmet is much wider surfacer than a baseball or the shoulder pad, you know, disperses the impact. So, so it's very, it's highly unlike, well, let's, how can we phrase this? It doesn't seem likely, like you said, never in the NFL has it ever happened. 
So it leads one to think back that maybe the fellow's heart was weakened already from something. Yeah, you know, right. You know. Right. The commodio cardus thing is something that spread like wildfire, but it isn't necessarily the case. They have not come out with that as the reason. The doctors who have examined him in, in the UC medical center have not have not said that's what it is. Oh, so that, that yeah, this has just been spreading. I don't think it's been. I don't think it's. Some people think it's been spreading in a nefarious way. You know, like wear your mask, oh. vaccine, commodio cardus, commodio cardus. Don't talk about the vaccine. Talk about commodio cardus. But right. the commodio cardus thing. In other words, even though it really hasn't happened, in other words, even though it really hasn't happened in football to someone of that age with that kind of protection, that that idea of that kind of a hit to that area in between heartbeats is a possibility. So people are just throwing that out there as, a, as a possibility. But also, as Peter McCullough has said, now Peter McCullough is an actual. Most of the doctors you hear talking about this on TV are not are not cardiologists. Not only is Peter McCullough a cardiologist, he's one of the leading cardiologists in the world. And he has not even, I've seen about five or six interviews with him. I've seen many tweets of his about this. He hasn't mentioned Commodio Cardis once. He hasn't oh, mentioned He has said, we need to look into the idea of, of the myocarditis caused by the vaccine, which weakened the heart. And therefore that blow had a greater impact than it would have otherwise. And he's right. It should be, it should be, it should be those doctors, if that's the case, they should be looking into it. They should be investigating it as the reason. And if it is the reason or they believe it could be the reason, they should be actually saying it and not afraid to say it. And that's the point. That's the point he makes. Right. I think the problem we're going to have here is the mainstream media. I'm sorry, the mainstream medical, uh, they're, they're not, um, well, the likelihood of them coming forward and say it has anything to do with the vaccine is going to be next to nil anyway, even if it could have anything to do with it due to myocarditis or pericarditis predisposition. But by the way, it's, that's a hundred percent vaccinated team. That's the other thing, Steve Kirk. Remember we were wondering? Oh, it's, the, uh, so they were all vaccinated. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yes. Um, well, so then, then that, that, leads to the idea of it could be the vaccine then. If he wasn't vaccinated, that would eliminate that as a hypothesis. But since he has been vaccinated, that hypothesis still has some kind of credibility to it and it should be looked into. Yeah, that's what Peter McCullough was saying. Right, because before the vaccine, here's a fact, whether whether it's connected or not. Before the vaccine, we did not see those kinds of injuries in football. You know, the thing that they've, they've always worried about in football is head injuries, right? We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. That that's been most of the focus of player safety. It's not been heart attacks. It hasn't been protecting the heart. It's been protecting the brain, right? So yeah. that is a is that's a common thing in football that you're not surprised about. But this was surprising because it hasn't happened before. Exactly, ever in the NFL. Another 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 possibility, which has been thrown out by some doctors, is that. It's not commodio cardis and it doesn't do the vaccine, but he could have had, as we see sometimes that, you know, that underlying heart problem that is not detected. Oh, yeah. You know, that that's from childhood or birth that's not mm-hmm. detected. And then something like this happens and it, and it rears its ugly head. So that's also a possible. Once again, no one is saying, including McCullough, that it's absolutely the vaccine. But that is a real possibility now. Because what we know about that vaccine and weakening the heart muscle in young people and athletes, so it should absolutely be out there and talked about and looked at. That, I agree. Yeah, yeah. 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 Now, from what I understand, they have him on a ventilator. He's on his. He's on his laying on his, you know, chest. Yes. And 
he did suffer some long enough deprivation of oxygen where he wasn't breathing on his own. Right. You know, so that's hopefully God willing that heals somehow. Uh, from what I understand, they're more concerned with the possibility of lung damage than brain damage. Oh, is that right? Yes, because the amount of time wasn't that long. In other words, you know, for most people, when that kind of thing happens, if you're in your apartment, you're you're done. Right. But he was in a situation where that was the best place to be for that to happen outside of a hospital because okay. of all. Come on, look at all the text. They have everything. They have all the ambulances and doctors ready to go. I mean, they were on him in seconds. So they right. were able to resuscitate him in a very in the, in the amount of time. Most doctors say it was so fast that there's probably, first of all, a really good chance of recovery. Totally. And they're not really worried about brain damage. They, just, they want to be able to see how much damage happened to his lungs, which oh. uh, they he went from 100 percent oxygen to 50 percent oxygen in about what, less than 24 hour period of time. That's a good sign. You know, as far as them him needing, you know, I think he's breathing partially on his own now. So oh. it, uh, it, uh, look. These things are very touch and go for the first week or so, but it looks yes. like things are trending in the right direction. That's good news. Yeah. Now, uh, tell me how, what kind, I'm a little confused as to how this could harm his lungs. Did I, what am I missing when you said the concern about lung damage? To... I guess the lack of, once again, I'm not a doctor. I'm guessing the lack of breathing on his own. Oh, the lack of oxygen to his lungs? The lack lungs? of oxygen. Yeah, I, I would think the same kind of... Uh, I would think the same kind of, in layman's terms, the same kind of damage they worry about lungs with a with a respiratory virus, right? Uh, where where they need to put someone on a ventilator to help them breathe. I guess it's the same kind of idea that they haven't uh, been able to breathe on their own for a certain period of time. So that's uh, that's what that's what they're saying. That's what I heard. That they're more worried about lungs than brain. That's what I've heard. Oh, you know, okay. that, that's what I heard. So more we reveal. We'll pray for the guy. Hopefully. Yeah, through. I think his age and the fact that he's healthy that all plays into him having a better prognosis than older people who have that. You oh, know. For sure. yeah. yeah, so so you know, I I don't I don't think he's going to play football again this year, but I, I I don't think it's out of the if he recovers, I don't think it's like I don't think his career is over. He could play next year possibly, you know. So yeah, well, it all depends. It all depends if if that if it was something that is a long if it's something that's a heart issue. Right. He's had his whole life that they just caught now. It might be tough for him to play. It, it depends what the doctors think, I guess, you know, right. but we'll see what happens. You know, if or if it was just an isolated kind of an incident based on a hit, who knows? You know, I think it all depends on how much damage his heart has. If they if they if they can trace it back to a, uh, you know, him having a heart defect from from childhood to a birth, you know, so it probably all, all depends on on what the what happened, what caused it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. guess we'll know more soon enough. I'm sure Peter McCullough will stay on top of it the best yeah. he can. Steve of course. Kirk. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, Bill, right, thanks right. Bill, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yep. You're welcome. Thanks. Thank you. All right. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. Who do we have here? Is this Maria? Maria, you are on Let's Be Heard. How are you? Good evening. Good evening. Can Bill come back and the three of us can talk? What, what do you want to say? Let me know what you have to say. Then we'll decide on that. But what's up? Did you want to? Did you want to say something? Did you want to respond to something he said? Well, I mean, you covered three different topics. You covered you covered independent media journalists and you know the incident with Demar. 
uh, Monday night, which mm-hmm. was a really scary event. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very scary. Sure, of course, no doubt. Well, and I, I, I don't even know what I want to contribute. Well, I definitely want to talk about where the potential of independent journalists to save us from corporate media. Because I I have not watched corporate media uh, for about two years now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the Matt Taibbi, Useful Idiots, Gray Zone, Brianna Joy Gray, and, you know, some others. But, you know, I, I refuse. And I... To tune into Fox, MSNBC, CNN... I'll not do it. I, I don't blame I, you. Did, I don't blame. You. Did you used to watch that stuff? Is that the stuff you used to watch? Uh, oh, well, I mean, when I was a kid, I really loved CNN and MSN. Or, oh, no, I'm sorry, uh, 60 Minutes. Yes. Yeah, so you, you mean when it was more real news? When it wasn't? When it wasn't uh, basically just political activism like it is now? I mean, yeah, I, I, that's, they didn't that's, get ratings. Yeah, but they don't get ratings now. I mean, CNN, the, the ratings for the top 10 cable networks came out. And uh, of the news networks, Fox News was, was way ahead of – Fox News had doubled the ratings of MSNBC. And CNN wasn't even in the top 10. CNN was like below like the History Channel and the Food Network. That's how bad their ratings are. And I think the new guy who took over CNN knows that and wants, to, wants them to go back to what what he wants to do, and I think this is almost impossible in this day and age, is he wants CNN to be what it was under Ted Turner, which is more hard news. And he thinks because MSNBC and Fox are more opinion news that he could corner the market with somewhere people can go to see real news. But there's so much purging he's going to have to do with CNN in order to get that accomplished. Now, remember, the problem is, Maria, is that people like Don Lemon had very big contracts. You see, that's the problem. And they had very big contracts. And just like, unlike normal people like you and I, people like Don Lemon and athletes have contracts, these two-way contracts, where if you fire them, you've got to actually pay them a lot of money or pay them off for the rest of their contract. So that's the problem. So Don Lemon worked up a nice juicy contract where if they just let him go, they probably have to pay millions of dollars for years. And they don't want to do that. They want to get something out of him. So what they did was they took away his show, right, his own show he had at night, which is a big deal to have that kind of a show, and they put him on like a morning news show with other people. And I'm, what I would predict is they're doing that just till he finishes his contract, then they'll let him go. But they want to do some work for the money they're paying him. So that's the problem. You still have him there, and he's still very much a political activist, an extreme left political activist. And so he knows they're not just going to he knows he can get away with still doing his garbage because they're not going to fire him because they want him to work for that money. If they fire him, they got to pay him. And so you have to wait for all these contracts to end. See, Stelzer probably didn't have that kind of a contract or his contract was ending so they could just let him go. But they have to purge all these people and it's going to take a while, you know. And then there are others like marginal ones like Anderson Cooper. I'm not sure if I keep him or not. I think he's the best of the, of the worst. I think Anderson has the ability to do straight news. It really does. I think, I, I think if, and, if you told Anderson 
you he can do... laugh at himself. At yeah, the... and I think he can, I think he can like do straight news, but he has to be. He has to purge that instinct to be a political activist. He's such a left. He's such a lefty. You know, lives in Chelsea, lives in Manhattan. He's an ultra lefty, and he's got to be able to purge that and just be a straight journalist. He's still, yeah. he's still basically young, even with his gray hair. He can do it, but he's a, he's like on the margin. He's on the margin. You know, do you want to keep a guy like that or not? But a guy like Don Lemon, you got to get rid of. If you want it to be a real news network, you, you got to get rid of. Know, but my real curiosity is what you think about the potential for ongoing disruption by the independent media and, you know, the value that it contributes in terms of developing some more social capital on the ground level and, you know, sourcing actual information, interviews with people that know. I mean, is is that going to be the new model? I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, you know, I... I... I don't know. I, I think the whole Substack thing, independent journalist thing, those ones you mentioned, podcasters, callin.com, that's the one I'd like to promote since I'm on it. It's going it to, has, it has huge potential. It's still, it, but it's still in the potential stage, right? It's still in the potential stage. It's not like you say call in. It's not like MSNBC or Fox. A lot of people are still like, what's that? Or, or a podcaster, like, I know a lot of podcasters. I'll, I'll give their name out, and, and podcasts, you know, podcast uh, enthusiasts will know who they are, but the general public has no fucking clue, you know. And, and so it, it's going to take a while, but I do think there's a real potential there for. Well, the, for they're starting to outrank. They're starting to, uh, and it's not just Substack. It's Patreon and Rumble. I mean, they're. They're taking pretty massive steps to allow people to access actual, you know, civil civic discourse and dialogue. And Colin is valuable. I mean, all yeah. these platforms are really valuable. Of course. Absolutely. And I think it'll become more and more popular. I think you just have to give it time. I mean, it's just like you can't. You can't force it on people, though. People have to finally decide. You know what? I'm tired of this stuff. I'm tired of the same old, same old. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the, the legacy media narrative, and I'm going to search out other places. It's easy to find. If you're on Twitter, it's easy to find. I, I promote. I promote this show up the wazoo. I'm a. If there's one thing I'm good at from promoting myself, and it, you know, and other people promote their shows, and so it's out there for people to find. It'll take a five minute search on Google to find a lot of these places, a lot of these shows. People just have to do it. You know, once again, habits, old habits are hard to break. And that habit of turning on, you know, having cable, which most middle-aged older people still have, having cable and turning on those three or four major channels, it's it's where, you know, try to get someone who's 65, 70 uh, plus, no offense, Daniel and others listening to my show who are that age, but for most of those people, try to get most of them to wean them off cable. Or, or 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 legacy media. It's it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to get them listening to podcasts or, or reading Substack. It's, it's kind of a, it, it's a losing battle. So it's going to have to be generational, I think. Right? Generations are going to have to change this. Younger people are going to have to change the game. 
That's that's what I believe. Well, and people enough. like people like people like us, people like you. You're, you're doing it, Daniel. Would you say you're trans age? Daniel's obsessed with the word trans. He's putting trans on anything now. So is that what we can do now? Can we put Maria? Can we put the word trans on anything? I'm trans age. He's trans. trans age. Well, he's, he's I, transitioning I, from sixty five to twenty. <laughs> I transitioned from Atari to Nintendo. When I was a kid. Can you transition? Can you can you actually transition from sixty to twenty? Can you become your? Can, can you can you identify as a twenty year old if you're sixty? I guess you can. Who's going to stop you these days? <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to stop you these days. Well, other than other than Mother Nature. <laughs> Mother Nature is very powerful. Very powerful. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a really... One of my oldest and best friends is out in Silicon Valley doing a lot of AI stuff. And he has a boutique development software development firm and he's obsessed with you know his mind brain living on and whatever matrix like some kind of immortality and i i just don't understand that i i i'm so comfortable with my own mortality it really defines me and i'm really comfortable with that I like it. That's it. That boy was very deep. Oh boy. I, I don't want to be infinite. I would get so bored. Oh, forget it. Well, you know, infinite. Infinite is an interesting is, a, is an interesting idea. I don't want to get too deep down this rabbit hole, but infinite would be like if if you had enough money, whatever that is, to last forever. But how could you have a lot? What's forever? How much money would last forever, right? But if you had a look, if you had a lot of money, if you had Elon Musk's money. You could be pretty infinite. You could last for a pretty long time. And you could also find things to do, right? You can find things to buy, things to change. Look at how Elon has changed. Look, Elon, I don't know how, how old is Elon? I don't know. 50? 45? 50? 55? Whatever he is. He's, the, he's still basically a young guy. And, uh, and uh, look at what he's done. He has changed Twitter. He has exposed all this stuff. He's done something really good. And so Elon Musk could probably do that at 137 years old, too. <laughs> you know, so... If you have enough money and enough to do, I think that uh, forget my life, forget it. No, I I, I couldn't. I, I I I'm like you. I get too bored right now. But uh, I think that some people, if you have the money, the wherewithal, and you want to be an entrepreneur and constantly buy things and change things and change the world, I think you could go for a very long time. Now that would be being perfectly healthy, right? You just you'd have to forget about forget about being promised to live forever, you'd have to be promised, Elon Musk isn't 73. 73. <laughs> um, it's ridiculous. Uh, is, that what, is that what money buys you? You're 73, you look 43? Um, but if, if you, um, what was I saying? If, if you, infinity has to be health-wise also, right? You have to be promised perfect health. Right? Who would want to, who would want to live forever but have to go through several illnesses that wouldn't be fun well the, those aren't even my metrics that i think about you know the not money or age you know i i think about quality of experience and that's that's what i care about uh, and 
quality of experience, you, especially if it's dependent on other human beings, I don't want it. I, not not for all eternity. I, 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 I can have a really nice dream or experience, you know, listening to some really amazing music. And I, I can feel the as much infinite as I want to with those specific experiences. I can hug on my daughter and love on her and that, that that's as close to infinite or eternal as I want to get. Hey, look, look, I just looked up Elon Musk. This is insane. Elon Musk and I have something in common. He is exactly two weeks older than I am. He was born exactly two weeks before me in 1971, and we're both cancers. How crazy is that? I just looked it up now. So he's exactly my age. He's 51. Holy. And he was born in Transvaal, South Africa, and so was I. No, I'm joking. I wasn't born in South Africa. But look at that. Elon Musk is exactly two weeks older than I am, and we're both cancers. Uh, There's one big difference. He's got $250 billion, and I ain't got jack shit <laughs> so so hey so much for so much for being the same sign right do you believe in that stuff that's a crack of shit isn't it astrology uh, well it's it's kind of fun at times but I don't I don't take it all that seriously but then again it, I definitely behave like a Libra uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, Isaac says both cancers indeed. Uh, Isaac, <laughs> if only I had his money. If I had his money, I, I'd be perfectly. You know that that would be that would be great. If I had one one thousandth, one one millionth of his money, I'd be happy. It doesn't take much for me, really. It doesn't take. No, much. I I I don't care about the money. I, you know, I just like to have enough to be stable in my own life and help the people around me when they need it and they don't have it. That That's all I care about with that. That's great, Maria. I like that. I like that, Maria. Maria, I'm just going to let you go because I'm kind of wrapping up the show and I want to talk about one important thing before the end of the show because I promised it all week. I'll talk. About- Maria, th- thank you for the call. I, really, I, I always appreciate you calling. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Of course. No problem. All right. So what I wanted to talk about Holy shit, Elon Musk, what'd you say, Gator? Is exactly seven months, hundred... Wait, what'd you say, Elon, exactly seven months, 140 days, and 12 years older than me? Gator, you're a little boy. You're, you're a young kid, Gator. Oh, my God. Look at that. Okay, so Gator, 12 years. So Gator's only 39. Is that right? I can't do math anymore. Yes, 39. Not bad. Not bad. No, seriously. Don't you think that's an interesting thing that Elon Musk is exactly two weeks born exactly two weeks before me, and we're both cancers? I think that's interesting. I really do. I don't think he would care much about that, but I think it's interesting. That means there's promise. There's promise for me. Uh, let's see. Okay, this is what I wanted to talk about. Um, Matt Taibbi, by the way, if you go to his Substack, and you do have to. Yeah, unfortunately, you do have to sign up. You can get a week free. You could be a you could be a, a dick and do a week free and 
and then, you know, cancel it, whatever. But I think it's only $5 a month. And look, for the work he's done simply on the Twitter thing, it's worth it, I think, to give Matt five bucks a month. And, uh, and once again, this is what we need. We need more independent journalists, right? He's not getting paid $10 million a year from CNN, right, or $5 million a year from the New York Times. So I don't think it's a big deal to give someone like Matt TV five bucks a month. But if you go to his uh, Substack, he, he, what he does, which is great, is he does a capsule summary of all of the uh, – get who on the show, Gator? Oh, oh, Elon, yeah, okay. Let's all do it. Let's all, if all of us write to Elon at the same exact moment, maybe he'll notice it. Maybe he'll notice it. And we'll, <laughs> and we'll be able to get him on the show. Let's do that. Let's do a, a group thing where we all say, go on, Mike's show. You're both you're, you're two weeks apart in age, and you're both cancers. So go on, go on Mike's show. But what, what uh, Matt Taibbi is doing is he does a summary of every one of the Twitter dumps. And it's like a two, three paragraph summary. It's great. If you don't want to go through 85 threads and have your brain explode, he puts up a summary of every Twitter dump, even the ones he didn't do. But I do want to read his summary of the one he just did, um, which is from January 3rd. Right. This is uh, Twitter plus 11 and 12, how Twitter let the intelligence community in and Twitter and the FBI belly button. And those two threads focus respectively, on the second half of 2017 and a period stretching roughly from the summer of 2020 through the present. And the first one describes how Twitter fell under the pressure from Congress and the media to produce material showing a conspiracy of Russian accounts on their platform. And the second shows how Twitter tried to resist fulfilling moderation requests for the State Department, but ultimately agreed to let state and other agencies send requests through the FBI, which Chan, Elvis Chan at the FBI, San Francisco Bureau calls the belly button of the USG. Revelations. At the close of 2017, Twitter makes a key internal decision. Outwardly, the company would claim independence and promise that content would be removed at our sole discretion, in quotes. The internal guidance says in writing that Twitter and would remove accounts identified by the U.S. intelligence community as a state-sponsored entity conducting cyber operations. The second thread shows how Twitter took in requests from everyone, Treasury, HHS, NSA, FBI, DHS, etc., and also received personal requests from politicians like Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff, who asked to have journalist Peter Sperry suspended and if you look if you go to that adam shifts he actually links to adam shifts um email um asking to have this guy removed now once again as i mentioned in yesterday's show sperry shift did not like sperry and wanted him silenced because sperry just simply uh out outed the whistleblower whistleblower that said from day one of Donald Trump taking office on January 20th of 2017, probably even before he took office, from day one he was elected, they wanted to impeach him. They were talking about doing anything they could to impeach him. And remember when the Democrats cried that the Republicans got together when Obama was sworn in saying we have to do everything to make this guy a one-term president, as though that's not what the opposing party always does. But because he was black and the first black president, oh, what an uprising. The legacy media was screaming how awful the Republicans are that they didn't want to get reelected. 
total insanity. Who cares? Of course they wouldn't want him to get reelected. But you'll see nothing in the legacy media about Adam Schiff and other Democrats getting together from day one saying we have to impeach Trump. We've got to find stuff, whatever he does. And, of course, wanting the person who has exposed that canceled on Twitter. So that's a really good thing, the Matt Taibbi substack. And how all these agencies, how Twitter basically became a conduit for all these agencies to just censor whatever they wanted. And remember, we had the FBI in San Francisco, 80, 80 FBI agents that were there just basically to censor American citizens. They put them in the right place, San Francisco, to censor American citizens. That's for the 80 FBI agents that you pay their huge salaries and pensions and health benefits or to while there are real criminals, while there are, while there are people stabbing people in Ohio, in Idaho, where there are real real terrorists who want to kill us, where there are people out there who 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 uh, who, who shank police officers in Times Square, who are actually really terrorists who want to go and fight for Al Qaeda and fight for the Taliban, fight with the Taliban. When there were actually these real people and these real cases, eighty FBI agents in San Francisco, led by Elvis Chan, were there to censor us. And so all these agencies were let in. They let them all in. When what they should have done from day one is simply say, no, no, no. You go to a judge. Just the way they went to a judge to get a court order to raid the, uh, the Idaho guy, guy's place in Pennsylvania. You go to a judge. You get a court order that says we must release this information and we'll release it. Other than that, you get guts on a stick from us. If they had done that from day one, none of this would have happened. Elon Musk, hey, Democrats should have loved that because Elon Musk would never have to have owned Twitter if they had just if Twitter had just simply said no. Go through the legal channels to get any information from us. But they loved it. These little techie nobodies loved sucking up and being they felt like they were part of the FBI. They were like playing with their eight-year-olds. They were playing FBI. They were playing CIA. They loved it. They were going to lunch and dinner and giving three, four million dollars from their agency to do this shit for them. And it got bigger. It's like a lie, a little lie gets bigger and bigger. This got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it became so overwhelming that these actual assholes at Twitter were finally saying, oh, look at our inbox. My inbox is inundated with requests. My inbox is inundated with requests. Oh, my God. Because you let them in. Because you let the wrong ones in. And that's what happens. Last call for calls. If anyone wants to call in and talk about anything that I yapped about for nearly two hours, or if anyone else wants anything else. Is there anything else out there? Did I miss anything? We covered everything, I think. Speaker of the House, rain, rain in San Francisco. What a, what a what a story that is, huh? Rain in San Francisco. Um, what else do we call it? We uh, Twitter files. I think that's better. Adam Kinzinger going to CNN. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else I wanted to talk about tonight? No, I'm sure tomorrow will be another interesting day. We'll see. As I said, the last two shows, hopefully this time, tomorrow night we'll have a speaker. If not, we won't. <laughs> And it'll keep going. So I think they have a couple of more days this week. And if they don't get it this week, they'll have to wait till next week. Um, and like I said, I think there are a lot of, I'll end on this. I think there are a lot of legitimate reasons to not have Kevin McCarthy a speaker or to be against or to, or to just simply uh, prefer somebody else, to prefer somebody from the outside who's not 
born and raised, if you will, for the position. I, I agree with that. I understand that. I also understand wanting to get down to business. Believe me, like I said, I want these hearings to start yesterday. I get it. But this is the democratic process. And don't let, let, don't let the legacy media or Democrats say there's something ridiculous about this or wrong about this. This is the process that the founding fathers wanted. But we know that Democrats in general and the legacy media don't care for the Constitution whatsoever. They step on it. They laugh at it. They want to change it. They want to get rid of it. They want to break it. They want to stomp on it. They want to flush it down the toilet. We've seen this during COVID. We've seen this during the Trump years. They don't care. They don't like it. They don't really appreciate it. They'll go see Hamilton and they'll all cheer like seals and pat themselves in the back and call Lynn Miranda a genius, but they don't really care about anything that's in that. Even though, of course, that's a very general, soft peddling, superficial look at it. I mean, still, right? It's about the founding fathers and writing the Constitution. And these people will cheer at that, yet they're such hypocrites that they don't give a shit about the real Constitution. They don't give a shit about the actual constitution and what's in it. But they like the music. Anyway, this has been, I want to remind everybody, uh, this show airs Monday night through Friday night, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. If you happen to be one of my many listeners on the other side of the pond, like Gator, um, it's in Let's Be Heard. I'm right back here tomorrow night. I'm Micah Chopoli, reminding you, that your influence counts. Use it.